We live in a data-driven society, and we have been for years. And when something like a global pandemic hits, we need information in order to help come to terms with unexpected change. I'm Sean Tubbs, and this is the fifth in a series of podcasts about how the COVID-19 crisis is affecting so many aspects of our life. Now, in case you have not heard the show from the beginning, the first episode ended with musician Michael Clem. We'll conclude this episode with more from him, but for now, he shared this observation today in a Facebook Live show. Uh, I don't know about you guys, I've had an interesting week. A week ago, I was saying to my parents, I was saying to some other folks, I think it was on Wednesday, just about a week ago, that this thing is, this is nothing, this is going to blow over. Our nation doesn't have the attention span for something like this. They're going to go on to some other news article or some celebrity's wrongdoing. My advice to you is never listen to me. I don't, don't listen to any of my predictions. I know nothing. This is unlike anything we have experienced. So much has happened so quickly, and we're still in the early days of a crisis that will affect us all, even if not all of us contract COVID-19. We don't have all of the answers yet, but some of the voices you'll hear in this installment have some encouraging things to say. One day at a time, you know, control what you can control and, uh, you know, do the best you can for now. We all have a responsibility to one another. Every single one of us must take these actions to take care of one another. So we're in this era of social distancing, and I have been out about once a day maybe uh, for errands that I thought I needed to do, um, mostly because we're allowed to do so so far. Today I had to drive to the post office to do an errand. This errand related to a favor that I needed to do for someone in order for them to get them to do something for me. Now, that's kind of personal, so I'm not sure I want to talk about that just yet. And the why isn't the point. The point is that as I drove around today, I saw a lot of people out and about, and they didn't quite seem to be heeding social distancing. They must not be listening to Virginia's governor, Ralph Northam. He's addressing the public once a day during this crisis. Here he is from March 19th, the day that we're recording this show. I appreciate everyone who is taking this seriously and trying to do their part to slow the spread of this coronavirus. Again, this requires every single one of us to act responsibly and with common sense. On my drive today, I saw people playing basketball, people hanging out having food behind their SUVs, fellow customers at Market Street Market who didn't seem to think that this was real. And maybe the slow rise in the number of cases so far in Virginia is part of why many don't seem as concerned as I was when I went out to run that errand today. Here's Lillian Peake, the state epidemiologist. So as of today in Virginia, we do have 94 cases of COVID-19. There have been 19 hospitalizations and two deaths. The number of total cases is up from one on March 7th, the first day a case was confirmed in Virginia. There were 11 confirmed cases on March 11th, the day that the University of Virginia announced that they would go online. The 94 cases reported by the Virginia Department of Health at noon on March 19th does not reflect the three additional cases of COVID-19 known to be in the Charlottesville area. That information was released by the Thomas Jefferson Health District earlier before the VDH announcement of March 19th's numbers. Now, COVID-19 is incredibly infectious at a time when people carrying it don't seem to have any symptoms. We have at this point distinct clusters in a few geographic areas in the state, 
And so we are at a level where we're seeing local transmission in Virginia. The numbers from the Virginia Department of Health are only based on the number of people who have been tested. As of March 19th, that number of 94 is based on a figure of 1,093 people who have been tested. The capacity of Virginia to test has been limited. There are private companies, but it's still unclear exactly how their information is getting to the rest of the numbers. Now, hopefully at tomorrow's press conference on March 20th, we'll learn some more as the numbers keep adding up. Now, at the press conference, though, Northam also touched on resources related to child care providers, changes to Medicaid access, including eliminating co-pays and addressing people who were incarcerated in state prisons. Brian Moran is Virginia's Secretary of Public Safety and Homeland Security, and he explains a few of the changes. We are working and have been working for several days since the onset of this virus, working with our greater correctional uh, system here in the Commonwealth, our entire criminal justice system from prosecutors to uh, sheriffs to law enforcement. And so today the governor is issuing uh, guidance to them. Uh, we want to reduce the interaction uh, and particularly this vulnerable population that may exist in our jails. So one, we are encouraging the use of a summons. That means when the officer comes in contact with an individual uh, to use the summons as opposed to a custodial arrest, if public safety dictates, and we are encouraging that. Second, we would ask our magistrates and judges to consider alternatives to incarceration. And third, we would ask our judges and prosecutors to consider modifying sentences for low-level offenders uh, to modify a sentence, alternatives to incarcerations. An example would be home electronic monitoring. You can read the letter from public safety agencies about these changes in the show notes for this episode, as well as additional resources mentioned at the press conference. If you listened to episode four of this show, you got a glimpse into some of the tough budget considerations that Albemarle County is facing as the economic picture continues a dramatic change. Let's remember that the stock market has fallen quite far, but more importantly, many people are now out of work due to the ongoing public health crisis. There's a lot of uncertainty. Here's Virginia's finance secretary, Aubrey Lane. We certainly do recognize this is gonna have a financial impact both on our economy, our citizens, and certainly our state budget. And anyone that would tell you that they know exactly where this is going to end up is just not being credible because it's a fluid situation. Things are changing rapidly. Now, let's hit pause in the press conference for a quick second. Remember a few days ago on Monday when city council took public comment and one restaurant owner got up to ask for tax relief? By Monday, most restaurants were closed to help increase the chances of infection from growing. We've got to salute them for doing that work, even knowing it's going to mean a real big economic hit. Let's hear the request from Aleda Mangioni again. I am the owner of Mangioni's on Main, located on West Main Street. I stand before you this evening as an independent restaurateur in the city of Charlottesville, struggling to survive during this challenging time. Some of our restaurants in the Mangioni wanted council to forgive meals taxes from February and March. The deadline for February is March 20th which is tomorrow as I record this. Mangioni also asked for a refund of meals taxes for January to allow for payment of laid-off workers. Now, as I said the other day, that might sound like a really good idea, but there are legalities involved. Councillor Heather Hill, 
read from a letter on Monday from the Commissioner of Revenue explaining why that's not legally possible under Virginia Code. However, he also wrote that he was looking into what could be possible. Again, this is Councillor Hill reading the letter from Divers. Having said all that, my office does have some discretion when it comes to late filing and payment of meals and lodging taxes collected. If a report and payment is received on or before it becomes 30 days late, we have some discretion to forgive penalty and interest. It is our intention to be as flexible on this as possible? And as, if we can require further assistance, please to reach out. On Thursday morning, three days later, Charlottesville announced they would suspend tax collections for the time being. They'll also waive past due penalties and interest until May 31st. At least, that's what I thought I heard. Uh, It might be good to confirm that. That includes meals taxes, but businesses still have to submit returns, and there are limitations. Here's Commissioner of Revenue Todd Divers in an interview this morning. The city and state code give the commissioner and the treasurer some authority uh, to make a fact-based determination about whether penalty and interest is justified. Uh, You know, I think it's generally on a case-by-case basis, but I think... Um, in consulting with the city attorney, um, you know, we think that this qualifies and we're comfortable doing this. Commissioner Divers stresses that this is not tax forgiveness. We do not have the authority to do that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think we do, but we, we really don't. Um, those taxes are collected in trust, um, you know, by the merchants and they have to be remitted to the city. Um, if they don't get remitted, there are, you know, pretty big consequences for that. Diver said he knows that people are having a tough time. My observation is that we're still in the early days of a financial crisis that's being caused by the COVID-19 situation. I urge people to continue to look to the state government. Divers agrees. Um, you know, local governments, they have a limited number of tools in the toolbox that they can use in situations like this. Um, You know, we can do things like what we're announcing today. And today, on March 19th, the state made some announcements too. I urge you to read news coverage of what's going on for the details. But let's go back to today's press conference and hear from Aubrey Lane once more. But I want to uh, stand in front of you today and give you a couple things that we can do to help lessen the financial burden on our, some of our taxpayers. So I have two announcements today on behalf of the governor to provide tax relief for Virginia individuals and businesses. First, as the governor mentioned, we have tax uh, sales uh, returns that are due tomorrow. And there'll be a, a, a message coming out from the commissioner of tax later today that will consider requests for sales tax dealers for an extension of the due date for filing and payment of the February 2020 sales tax return that are due tomorrow until April 20th. Now, this will be a liberal uh, granting of the request. Uh, The reason why you need to make the request is because our tax receipts for sales tax don't only affect the state budget, but also some of our localities and our regions. And therefore, we take seriously whenever we have to take monies from one part to pay for something else. The governor mentioned that we do work closely with our federal partners, but unlike our federal partners, we must balance our budget and we can't print money. So we take seriously as we move forward, but we want to give taxpayers for sales tax the opportunity to take advantage of this relief. We think uh, this will probably cost us somewhere around $145 million 
of which about 30 million of that will be felt by the local uh, communities uh, that receive these taxes also. That figure of 145 million is one number that when added to the many other costs of this pandemic will affect the fiscal health of our local and state governments. But there's still a lot we don't yet know, which is why I've called this episode Waiting for the Numbers, because there is still so much more that we need to know. And there are so many changes that can still happen. For instance, the General Assembly could pass new legislation to allow Virginia to waive interest on unpaid taxes to the state. But for now, Lane had other news for Virginia taxpayers. We're also announcing today an extension of the due dates for payment of Virginia individual and corporate income taxes. Filing deadlines for those that uh, will remain the same, that is, on May the 1st, your tax returns are still due. But the date for payment will be extended until June 1st of 2020. We anticipate this will be about $100 million in moving from this fiscal year into the next fiscal year. And that's important because, as I mentioned, Virginia has to make sure we balance our budget in each particular fiscal year. And as you know, we're in the middle of a budget cycle. We do not have appropriation authority past June 30th of this year. Virginia will not charge a late payment penalty if payment is made by June the 1st. But please note again that interest will accrue. So taxpayers, we would encourage you to file by June 1st to avoid this, although we will work again with the General Assembly to be able to abate those interests also as we go forward. In other words, there are still legislative actions that will be taken to help people out as we go forward. Let's complete the serious part of this installment with Governor Northam. In closing, I want to reiterate the need for every single one of us to take social distancing measures to slow the spread of this virus. There is evidence of community transmission in the northern and central regions of the state and in the peninsula. Infectious diseases do not respect boundaries. All people within these areas should remain vigilant. We expect that community transmission will expand to other areas of the Commonwealth in time. That is why all Virginians, all Virginians need to practice individual prevention and control measures. Our health is in your hands. Know the signs and symptoms. If you're sick enough to seek testing, you're sick enough to stay home for any reason other than to get medical care. Just remember that number of 94. That's the number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 as of noon on March 19, 2020. The goal is to keep that number as low as possible for as long as possible to allow our medical facilities to develop the resources to ensure that they can handle with the caseloads that are going to come their way. Pay attention. Take this seriously. Now, as I wait, though, I'm, like you, waiting for things to do and for things to occupy my mind. Uh, We've had a lot of disruption. The other day, you heard at the city council meeting, they were trying to figure out ways to do Facebook Live and Zoom or whatever it's called to get public comment. Well, all over the country right now, artists are trying to find ways to use uh, the technology that we have to move forward. Stephen, I were curious, are you guys seeing this image backwards, flipped? If you are, consider getting a mirror. (laughs) Now that's Michael Clem, reflecting on the strange things that happen when you do Facebook Live. 
He's a Charlottesville-based musician who you heard at the beginning of this episode. In the early days of the social distancing phenomenon, he converted a house concert to a live video stream. He was at it again today to raise money for local restaurants. We are making um, music today in the interest of uh, our local restaurants who are suffering right now and want to help them out. Clem makes part of his living as a substitute teacher and wrote a song with students at the Village School on March 13th. I took the opportunity in that class and we wrote a song together and this is what came out of that. So, so thank you for the inspiration, girls of the Village School. Feel free to sing along at home. I put this up on YouTube. A GoFundMe page for the Charlottesville Restaurant Community Fund has met its initial goal of $10,000, with 155 people having donated as I record this. There's a link in the show notes. Well, I live here in Charlottesville, and things got dark and things got still when West Main to the corner came to a crawl. Now, no one's feeling all that fine, but the places where we wine and dine, well, they might be hurting worst of all. Oh, people of the world, many greet. Bump your elbows, shake your feet. And that's it for this installment. I'll be back again as soon as I can with another episode. In the next one, I hope to try to get some of your voices out there. The point of this podcast is to document as much as I can, and my world for the past dozen years has been local government. I can help translate what's going on. But with me here in my house, limiting human contact, it's hard to always know what's happening. I rely on what I can see via social media, but I'm also looking to talk to people Drop me a line and let me know what you think the rest of the community needs to know. We're all in this together, and that is something I really believe. I'm Sean Tubbs, and thank you for listening. Thank you for a song in the bag.